It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Great song. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick, hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in stock 2023 GMC in Buick. By the way, breaking news. I mean, this is hot off the presses. Josh Hader and the Houston Astros in agreement on a five-year deal. And it's a lot of money. It's approximately the same amount we pay Steve Lansky to join us every week. Lansky, uh, I want you to confirm that we pay you huge dollars to do this. <laughs> I do a lot of things, but lying isn't one of them, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of telling the truth, we want you to give it on the Edmonton Oilers. I wrote on my blog, somebody reminded me today, uh, that in November, when they went 2-9-1 and one, that morning, I guess I woke up and I said, it's time to make your peace with your maker if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Like, that's how much I was convinced the season was over. Wrong, obviously, but this has been a truly unique season the Edmonton Oilers have posted so far. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Never. I know the St. Louis Blues were in dead last or something the year they won the Stanley Cup, but I've never, I've never seen anything like this in terms of you've got the same key players, key components, you changed one goalie, and what you did was you somehow decided you would find a new attitude somewhere and adopt it. I, I, man, I, I would have to think long and hard for an entire day to find another team that's done anything like this. Now, uh, we're only halfway through the season, which is another weird part about the whole thing. It's only halfway through the season. So who knows what the second half's going to deliver. And I thought that, you know, I'm always looking for, because I... I, I think, and I know that you've expressed, I, I think I'll know the Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup when they no longer make those, you know, early distant warning danger passes at the blue line that are cross-ice passes or drop passes. And they've cut them out mostly. But last night they were overpassing. The power play was never going to score. They were trying to get the puck to Leon, and it wasn't working. And they do seem to be, I'm going to use the word stubborn, and maybe that's a uh, a reflection of youth or confidence or whatever, but I I think sometimes you have to give what the other side is. You have to take what the other side is giving you, right? You do. Um, and now I'm starting to think like an athlete because I played enough sports. Athletes can be stubborn when they're like you said, very confident in what they can do. And I've done that a lot of times in my life where I thought this has got to work. Why isn't this working? And it's, it's, a, it's kind of a unique athlete that can say, this isn't working, I'm going to change to something else immediately. Of course, the first person that comes to mind is Wayne Gretzky. Now, he had so many things in his pocket that he could, he could do a million different things and come up with a million different things. I, I think it's difficult for an athlete to realize something's not working. And I think a lot of times that's what a coach is there for. Hey, guys. This isn't working tonight. Let's do this. And then once you adapt that attitude where you're willing to look outside your comfort zone, we'll call it, uh, then you become an even better team. Because you and I both know when the playoffs come, you're going to have to go outside your comfort zone in something because the other team's going to have you figured out to some degree. And the only way you're going to win is to figure them out and go a different direction. Just a fact. One thing I really like about what the Oilers are doing now that they didn't do uh, previously, they've done in the past, but they weren't doing when they were losing, is they contest everything. 
The forecheck is strong, but also on the wall defensively, they are confident enough they're going to get cover and, and support that they can commit to a play. And it, I just see them committing. to. There was a play this week where uh, it was on the penalty kill, and there was just a moment where the, the player behind the net on the opposition team contemplated passing it, and he looked up, and he wasn't paying attention, and Nurse just swiped the puck off his stick and threw it down the ice. The Oilers are more in the play in the moment, I think, and they're very aggressive, and it's good. And isn't that what championship teams are? It's not, we will do this. We, you know, we might be able to do this. We are going to do this, whatever it is. And every championship team I can think of in any sport, that is only their attitude. The first one that comes to my mind is the Islanders. The Islanders knew exactly what they were going to do when they were going to do it. And if they did make a mistake, Billy Smith was going to solve it. To me, those teams are the teams that win. And you just see it, don't you, Al, in just the little tiny plays. Not the big plays, not the whole scope of of things, just these little tiny plays where you say Darnell Nurse was looking and boom, he's got that pucker. That pucks off that uh, opposition player's stick. Those are the little things that build the confidence we are going to do this and we're going to do it repeatedly. That's what winners think. Steve Lansky joining us, teaching us what winners think, which is great. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs, whenever they come west, and this isn't a new thing, whenever they come west, there are a lot of Leafs fans who buy tickets from Oilers fans to get in the game, and then it feels like a home game and for the Leafs. And I asked somebody the other day who went to the game, and I said, uh, during the flow of play, did you notice a lot of Leafs fans? And they said, it's during the pregame skate you can notice it because it's like there are so many Leafs fans and they come early so they can see the team. And the, it tweaked when I, was, when I was listening to the answer. It was actually texted to me, so I was reading the answer. I thought, this is what Lansky's talking about. This is why he says they'll never win because they're treated, like even on the road in Canada, like they're, they're, they're extra, extra, extra special. Your last two sentences, you took away my whole answer. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. You don't even get to leave home and and get rid of the pressure. It's always there. And I remember when the first time the Montreal Canadiens came to Edmonton, and I, I, you know, I was either busy with school or whatever. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't reading the paper. And I remember getting to the rink and going up to the broadcast booth, getting ready for the game, and going, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" Why are there so many Canadians jerseys all over the place? And that was the first time I'd ever thought, wow, I had no idea it was going to be like this. Well, you imagine now, you've got to play 41 at Scotiabank Arena, and then let's say, I don't know, Tampa or Florida. Maybe there won't be. There will be some Leaf fans, but, but it won't be like it is in Canada. But you've got 20 or 25 other home games that you have everybody's eye on you. And once in a while, you would just like to go on the road and not be noticed and, you know, just take the two and leave. And the Leafs don't get that. And I think, I think it's a real problem with that team. They just, they think there's something they're not. And I think it's going to be a long time before I see them with the Stanley Cup. And I really do believe that's one of the big reasons. I have a, a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in years, so maybe it's stopped, but I spent, I would say, 40 hours of my life trying to convince this person, him trying to convince me, that Ron Ellis was a Hall of Famer. And I, th- I said, he's not a Hall of Famer. 
I mean, Paul Henderson's closer to a Hall of Fame career than than Ron Ellis. I like Ron Ellis, good player, not a Hall of Famer. But that I guess that kind of attitude is what you're talking about when it comes to the Leafs. It is, and and I get it. You like Ron Ellis. Number six is your favorite number, whatever it is. But yeah, Ron Ellis isn't isn't a Hall of Famer. Worked his tail off. He's a Hall of Fame person, lovely person. Read Ron Ellis a bunch of times, but not the Hockey Hall of Fame. It could be in the Person Hall of Fame. And the problem is, you get these Leafs fans who aren't objective. Well, what are the players going to think? Now they're all going to think they're Hall of Famers, which in some ways is good, but then in other ways, you put your hands behind your head and you cross your legs and you go, well, we got it made, boys. Well, guess what? You don't got nothing made. Now, I mean, we're Hall of Fame people. There's no doubt about that. That's a big group, though, so <laughs> not not special at all. There's two areas I need to go now, and I'm going to go this way, and then I'm going to ask you my old-timey question. So the other day... Somebody named Mink Flo sent out a uh, NBA exchange between the uh, the broadcaster, the play-by-play guy, and the color guy, in which the, the play-by-play guy called out the, the commentator for something that he had said, an exchange they had. And I loved it because it showed a level of maturity from the guy who was clearly upset, but he, he expressed himself very well. And the other individual didn't, you know, get too terribly defensive, although he did a little bit. And I liked it as watching a broadcast. To me, it was, it was fresh and new, and it showed some maturity and very verbal people. Chris Curtola said, can't wait to hear Big, Big Mo sports, sports take on this. So if I could get the words out, I will. What is your take on that exchange between those two broadcasters and what was said and then the retort? What do you think? Do you think I'm going to like it or do you think I'm going to not like it? I think you're going to, I think you're going to torch it, but I, I will disagree vehemently. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I think that was completely wrong. I understand why he did it, but that, my friend, is why we have commercial breaks. So what you do is you go to break and you say, hey, what you said didn't make me very happy. And you may loop in the producer and say, what did you think of that? What, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, would you be willing to say when we come back, hey, you know, I was probably a little hard on you there, blah, blah, blah. Yep, sounds good. You come out of break. Hey, I was a little hard on you in that last segment there. I apologize. Well, let's move forward. Perfect. If you want to have a disagreement about the sport on the air, oh, my God, I would sanction that a thousand out of a thousand times. But that type of discussion should be a discussion you have off the air. That would be my preference as a producer because all it does is it creates an awkward moment that's away from the sport. I get it. You didn't like that, you know, he talked down to you and and said something that you didn't like, but that's what commercial breaks are for. And if you want to address it back on the air, you can, but I would would not um, put my support behind that if it was being discussed in the truck hey, we're going to do this on the air. Mm, no, I don't think you are. That's okay. just my opinion. Allow me to linger a little bit. I think there are sure. times where it does get uncomfortable. I'll use Fergie Oliver as an example when uh, uh, Tony Kubek used to kind of light him up a little bit and, and, and troll him a little bit, and Fergie would take the bait, and it was embarrassing. I, I felt bad for Fergie Oliver, and, and uh, it was not comfortable. But I didn't feel uncomfortable in this particular exchange. I was close. I, I thought I watched it twice, and I thought, okay, I get it. I get why you're ticked off. I totally get that. But let's have the first discussion off the air 
And then if we want to, you know, somehow say, well, how, you know, how would you like me to have presented that? How would you like, at least can we move it forward rather than it just being a straight on air admonishment for something personal, not necessarily something about the sport. That's just my opinion, but I've thought about it a fair bit, and that's kind of where I land. Well, I, I want to tell you, earlier in this uh, segment, you disagreed with me, and it hurt my feelings, and I would like to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and if I believed that for one minute, I um, would be gutted. <laughs> um I could see I could see your reaction coming from a mile away, but I stand by my fin- opinion, and it's okay that we disagree. So I I I am nerding out at the highest level. I like if there is a nerd hall of fame, I'm in it right now. I have subscribed to the Hockey News Archive, and I'm all in. I just I at least once a day I spend half an hour on that thing, and I I I have to force myself to get out. It's so good. The other day, Steve Lansky, I'm reading about Harry Sinden, who's left the Boston Bruins. He is he, they won the Stanley Cup, and he's left them. This is like '71 or winter of '70, and in the Ken McKenzie article. He talks about CBS pursuing Sinden as a commentator or a between-periods guest. And then about a month later, he says, Hockey Night in Canada got him. Sinden will be on Hockey Night in Canada for the rest of the season into the playoffs. And so it made me think of a question. Back then, Hockey Night in Canada had the torque to get the guy, whether it be money or prestige or whatever, they had it. Now I watch what's happening on all the U.S. networks, and, and the fact that a lot of TSN people didn't go over to Hockey Night in Canada. And I wonder if it has the same panache, the same presence that it did in 1970. Well, first of all, I'm a little shocked that you know what torque is. I didn't have you as a physics guy, but that's, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all over that, man. I like, read about it. What gra- that is what grabbed me from that question right there with the word torque. <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> in those days, it was different. Because Harry Sinden, he was still in his 30s. He had just, he was as, as in the game as you could get. He won the Stanley Cup with Boston, for God's sakes. He was going to go on and head coach Canada at the Summit Series. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was the only guy you would want at this point. And, you know, you had to look at Hockey Night, who Hockey Night in Canada had at that time. You know, Ward Cornell, Bob Goldham, Brian McFarlane. Uh, Danny Gallivan and Dick Irvin. Dick wasn't going to come to Toronto. Nobody in Toronto was going to watch Dick Irvin. The Vancouver Canucks were about to start in the National League. So somebody like Harry Zinden would be a very sought-after commodity. The problem is now, today, there would be a huge dollar difference between going to the United States and staying with Hockey Night in Canada. So, you know, you get the Ray Ferraros, say, who stayed in Canada for as long as they could, and then it was like, okay, I gotta, I, I gotta make a move here. I, I gotta, I gotta earn some more money, and and get a little more of what I want m- moving into my twilight years as a broadcaster. So, it 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 varies over time because you're talking about 1970, which is <laughs> it can't be 60 years ago, but I guess it is almost. Um, and it was different then. But if you had somebody do that now, you would get them on TSN right away. Brian Burke was on TSN. John Tortorella was on TSN. All those, all the Mike Keenan. I, I worked with Mike Keenan when he was between coaching jobs. So you do, you do look for that. And now I think that when you look at TNT, they've got Liam McGuire and, and Anson Carter, and 
you know, moving aside from Wayne Gretzky because he's a little bit older, you got Paul Bissonnette, he's a little bit younger. Henrik Lundqvist, it looks like he could play today. Yeah. So you do you do want that young guy. And that's why Kevin Bieksa succeeds at Hockey Night in Canada. But it's a different world than it was in 1970 in terms of that, for sure. Lundquist to me is like Rod Gilbert. I think he could, he's he is such a good looking guy. He could do television when he's ninety five. <laughs> you know, and it's just a bonus that he knows how to talk about hockey. Yeah, it? and that. But you know what? And I also think I, I think it's great, but I also think that's terrible. Like we should not be judging people. You're right on on their look, but. For some reason, we just do, and and we shouldn't. And, you know, there's it's really hard. It's really hard when you sit in a room and somebody says to you, hey, we've hired so-and-so, she's easy on the eyes, or he's easy on the eyes. That always made me feel uncomfortable in those meetings, and I always came back with, how are they on the air? (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't get a very, I didn't, you know what? I didn't get a very good answer very many times. No. And I, I still find, and now we're going back. I still find that alarming that that's the first thing oh, it is. that would get, that yeah. would get presented to me. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm not a, I was never a big fan of that, but it's there and it has to be addressed. And like you said, looking at Henrik Lundqvist is very easy. So it, I, I don't know how that goes away. But I, it's a bugaboo that that grabbed television from the beginning, and it still grabs it. Yeah, it does for sure, and it's even more dark for women than it is for men. Like Lundqvist, if he could wear a suit anywhere reasonably well, he'd be on TV forever. But he can't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lansky, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a great weekend. All right, there you go, Steve Lansky from Big Mouth Sports. We covered a lot of territory, but that was I enjoyed that very much. I hope you did as well. Uh, Coming up, we have such a great Friday final hour. It's like we leave you like a cliffhanger every Friday. We got Lansky, we got Yeremchuk, and then we've got Declinations. Declan has not told me what it's about, so it's going to be a surprise for both of us when we find out later this hour. All right, we'll take a break. Yeremchuk next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. I wouldn't have a chance against the Philly Fanatic. As, As out there as I am... That guy is, like, way out there. Low Tide, I have a take. Wanted your thoughts. Hyman is better than Ryan Smith. From Oilers, Jay. I don't want to answer that. However, Tyler Uremchuk joins us now, so I thought I'd ask him. So, Smith at his absolute best, or Hyman? Who do you take? Uh, It's Hyman, Ty. Come on. Did did Ryan Smith, granted... Okay, this is tough because Ryan Smith never played with Connor McDavid, so I feel like that's an important side note in all of this, but... Did, sorry, did Ryan Smith ever score close to 50 goals in a season? Because Hyman's going to do that this year. So I feel like he's the answer, as much as that might be like a heartbreaking thing for an Oilers fan to say. I tell you, Ryan Smith fans are everywhere. People are going to bring up 39 goals as in his first full year as an Oiler. All those years, the 05-06 team where he lost teeth. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough. I'm glad you answered it. And I picked a guy who used to be a Maple Leaf. I'm doing wonders with my public <laughs> reputation. Well, it's my fault. I'm the one to ask you. Uh, Twelve in a row. How high can they fly? How many? Looking at the schedule, can they go? Can they go like eleven and aught in the month of January? Well, I mean, hey, they have now officially gone one calendar or one month 
without losing a game. It was December 19th when they last lost. So to sit there and say they can't just keep rolling, I mean, you'd be foolish to bet against them at this point, Tide. And the thing is, they've won a handful of games. This isn't a heater born out of, you know, just them playing their absolute best every game and squeaking out victories. They've been, like, bad on a couple of nights and still found a way to get the two points. So I don't know if this thing's going to end. Like, the power play's not even hot. What's going to happen when we go through one of those stretches where they're 60% on the power play for two weeks and they're winning games solely off that, right? Like, that'll come at some point. So um, I don't think this heater's quite done yet. They can easily beat Calgary. They often do. And if they beat Calgary, what, next week they play a couple of AHL teams? Like, come on. It's it's looking interesting. There's no doubt about that. Trade deadline seemed like a big deal. In fact, it seemed like they were going to trade for a goalie even before then. Uh, Jake Allen, whomever. Uh, it's looking like, I think they're going to make at least a couple of moves, but it's looking like it's not going to be the uh, imperative move that maybe we saw even a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think of, like, I mean, we saw Spencer Martin get claimed on waivers today, Tide. Um, like, there's a chance Calvin Pickard, if you were to acquire another goalie, he better be a real big upgrade because there's a chance you just lose Calvin Pickard to the waiver wire right after. Right? And I'm not saying that you don't go out and make a good trade because you're scared of losing Pickard, but the point is there are a lot of other teams hungry for goaltending because someone is claiming Spencer Martin. The market's going to be rich. I think it's going to cost a lot. And when I look at this Oilers team, I just go, you're in all likelihood going to go as far as Stuart Skinner can carry you. So do you want to go blow a bunch of assets, blow what little cap space you have, and upgrade your backup goalie spot? Or do you sit there and say, hey, Calvin Pickard's good enough. Let's spend those picks and that draft capital, and let's go get a depth defenseman. Let's go get a third-line center and upgrade the team in front of the goalies. I think there's a lot of merit to that strategy. Sports 1440, Tyler Uremchuk is our guest. I wanted to ask you about Corey Perry. Man, it sounds like he's coming here. I mean, it kind of does, and the marriage makes way too much sense. Does Corey Perry want to win? Yes. Is Corey Perry going to sign for cheap? Yes. Do the Oilers need cheap depth help? Yes. And when you look at Perry, a guy who, granted, got $4 million, but was apparently really excited about the possibility of being on the same team as Connor Bedard and thought that was a neat experience, okay, well, come play on the same team as Connor McDavid, man. Like, the chance to win a Stanley Cup with a Canadian team and to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysettle, even if you won't be on the same line as them, I think that might be too appealing to pass up unless someone like Florida comes in and he goes, ooh, less media pressure, no tough questions after games or even when I first get there. And I get to live in sunny Fort Lauderdale. Like I, I would maybe sign up for that. But the Oilers <laughs> are definitely a finalist. Well, you'd sign up because the baseball's close. You know, you'd be there like in a heartbeat. Yeah, spring training. Why not? Oh, Giddy up, and I love the beach. Yeah, well, there you go. And and you know, we'll we'll move on from that. But I can see you there now. Um, <laughs> I, people ask me about you know, is Perry any good? Does he have anything left? And I think part of the problem is when we evaluate Perry, we're doing it away from the Oilers and maybe he would get time with, you know, McDavid or Dreisaitl. And that really does change the equation, right? You know, even guys who aren't fabulous look really good when they're playing with those guys. I mean, low tide. I know Oilers, other Oilers fans have thrown out this idea, but Dylan Holloway centering Corey Perry and Evander Kane on a third line, 
that might be pretty good when it comes to getting under the skin of the other team during a seven-game playoff series. Defensemen would get awfully tired of seeing those three four-checking you if Evander Kane's moving his feet and all of that. But like, even if he's not in the top six, I think he'd have a chance to come in here and just be a really good, effective player. And I think in the locker room, obviously, brings a ton of value. Not that this team needs that by any stretch, but bringing in good veterans for a playoff run, especially a guy like that who's been through four or five long playoff runs in his career. Like, there's just there's no downside to this move. Final question, Tyler. The forecheck, the, the outlet plays that seem to come through the middle and are more precision and crisp passing, uh, what, what changes have you seen that you like the most or think have been the most uh, effective under the new coaching staff? Okay, they've slipped up on this a little bit against Toronto and Seattle. But this was a big thing in the playoffs last year. It was limiting their shooting themselves in the foot moments, we'll call them, where they just completely implode for a few seconds and get hemmed in or give up an odd man rush or whatever. They've been way better at limiting high danger chances against shots against, specifically on the penalty kill. They're not giving up as many high danger chances against. Just the fact that they seem stingier defensively is a big surprise to me because, again, the personnel didn't change. Only the coaching staff did. And the fact that they're seemingly getting... I don't want to use the term buy-in because I think it's kind of cliche, but everyone on this blue line has brought up their game a step, and I think that's that's probably been the most impressive part for me. But it's a laundry list, Low Tide. You mentioned the breakout passes in the outlet, the way they're attacking with speed. They're getting goals from depth scorers at big times. They're getting great goaltending. So a bunch of things are working well. They're looking like a wagon, but just don't tell that to P.K. Subban because he says they're only winning games because of McDavid and Drysdale. Yeah, I, 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 every, you know, I remember last year when they were the Flames were talking about we lost because of one guy or whatever. I just think that's dangerous because you're you're lighting everybody up and they're going to just prove it to you again. I don't get the I watch the games and then you can see that the Oilers were once that team, but they aren't now. No, they're absolutely. They got two goals from Warren Fogle yesterday. Like, come on, like give your head a shake if you're sitting there saying this is a one man team. Stuart Skinner has a nine forty something save percentage since the beginning of December. Give your head a shake if you think this is a one man team. And also, this idea that the Oilers are always knocked down a peg because they have talented players. No one ever sits there. Who's sitting there right now going? If the Bruins didn't have Pasternak, they'd be fighting for a wildcard spot. They'd be nothing. Like, no one's saying that, right? So why do the Oilers always get docked for their best player being good and no other team gets docked for their good players? It's weird. It is. You're right. Have a great weekend. Thanks, man. Yeah, sounds good, Ty. See ya. All right, there you go. Tyler Uramchuk from Daily Faceoff. Lots of really good questions coming in. Um... Lotada, I was wondering your thoughts on the PWHL jailbreak rule. I want to make sure I got it right. My understanding is that any shorthanded goal ends the power play and sends the penalized player back on the ice. I love it. I think it's a really good thing. And it's it's a tweak that you could easily adopt in any other league. I don't think it will be, and I hope it isn't because it's one of the things that makes the PWHL unique, but I like it. I... I, I I don't like the DH, but that doesn't mean I, I hate every rule it, it, that, that, that's new. I like that one. I think it's a good, I think it's a good rule. Guys, just wondering uh, how Jack has been doing in Baco. Last three starts, he's got like a 950 uh, save percentage. I wrote about it on the blog today. Hold on. It, it, it's, he's been really, really good. Like, really good. Um, yeah, 942. In his most recent three outings, that's that's good. The only problem is 
do you trust him? Like, do you bring him back? Because, you know, Yaronchuk mentioned about the, the structure, you know, and that's important. Like, if you bring him back and they start developing bad habits because they're trying to do everything, does that send them on another plane or level? That, that Ryan Smith question is, is I, I can't ever say anything bad about Ryan Smith. And Hyman being better isn't bad, but I would need to sit down because Smith did a lot of things. People say, well, Hyman does this. Well, I know, but so did Ryan Smith. People will say sometimes, who's the best left winger all time in Ono's history? And the easy answer is Messier. But he was a center after, you know, like February of 84, he was a center. Pierre Lebrun is reporting Nashville will listen to offers for Saros if the deal is right. How, considering how well the Otis are playing right now and how well Skinner is playing, do you pass up on the all-star type goaltender if you have the Otis? I think you do. Hyman can drive to the net, stand in front without getting touched. I, I'd like both of them a ton. Rodrigue should be brought up for next week for one game to see what he's got. Well, that's not a bad idea. Declan, we can't answer any Declan questions. Declan's not here, man. Do you know the Do you know the Cheech and Chong? Dave's not here, man. I can't say I do. No. Okay. No. All right. That might be a little bit before my time. All of our reference points are going to be different. Well, who's your favorite musical artist? If I'm going right now, it would be the Weekend. Uh, if I'm oh, going, I know the Weekend. Okay. Okay. Um, and then if I'm going my old old rock, which I do listen to a lot, uh, I would probably say Led Zeppelin. Oh my God, we'll get along just fine. <laughs> no freaky freak in the freakers or anything like that. You know, you know actual music. I do know actual music. I uh, like to. I'd like to pride myself on my music taste, even uh, though some people might not love it. <laughs> perhaps you could teach Hallie and Declan and the other people that I've worked with over the years. Okay, making friends. That's what I do. Declanations on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's 140. This is the Lowdown, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Loving today. We've enjoyed it very much. Just fantastic. I mean, I... I don't know who my producer is Monday because it keeps changing, but I'm not I'm not going to complain. Donovan Paulson's done a wonderful job. Love him. And I had planned on having Declan on, do declinations, but he's busy. I mean, I... He's know, putting out fires, yeah. Is he actually putting out fires? Like, should, should we credit him or should we debit him? I feel like there's uh, room for both, you know? Okay. Right. We, maybe something we should have looked at a little... Did earlier we? than one thirty before live on location, but oh, okay. also he's going to be a hero. He's he's heading out to I believe London Drugs to grab something. So I don't oh. really know exactly. You know, Low oh, Tide. Okay. I try to say I worry about the radio feed. Yeah, Declan's the uh, he's he's much smarter than I am because I'm lost when it comes to YouTube and the digital side. Okay, so I didn't know he did any of that. Yeah, that's all Declan. Yeah, he's never said a word to me about it. He's uh he's like the Dark Knight. He doesn't need the praise. So uh, I need to talk to you something about your show. Are you okay with being frank on the radio? I know yeah. that people are not. So I go to the website, the uh, sports1440.ca website, and I see Fantasy Fr- Frenzy with Hallie and Douglas. Yes. Nice photo. Good looking guys. Got a little logo there. Um, and then I, I scroll down and there's about 6,000 words about you. Connor Halley started radio when he's 19, Canadian School of Modern Broadcasting, enjoys pizza, and, you know, 
show tunes. That's it's in just, there? Okay. All and all and on, you know, uh, Chargers fan. <laughs> and then right at the bottom is about a line on Brandon Douglas. Like, I mean, it's not even, Brandon Douglas also in photo. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, did you write this or is this just something that occurred? You know, you'd have to talk to the Duke about that one because I believe we were in charge of writing our old bios or our own bios. I took my old one and it was just up on uh, the Gregor Show website and I, you know, I ran with it. I, people want to know about us. So I put it out there. The Duke, he's got an interesting background, but maybe in radio, he just wanted to be a little mysterious. At the end of yours, it says... Connor is excited to be part of such a great team. Brandon is ecstatic to be a part of such a great team. So, like, I just, I feel like he's trying so hard and he gets so little, Yeah, you know, like, he's below the fold. He's way below you. There are so much verbal on you. You barely even see the guy. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's about that action. He just, he brings it on the show. He doesn't need to bring it on the the website. I'm the opposite. I just like to speak out when I see something that looks (laughs) wrong, Connor. I mean, I just, now are you going to, because Declinations isn't available, Declan's off to London Drugs. Are you prepared? Like, are you prepared? This is like a little family. Yeah, we didn't have any soup, so we're getting to get soup. Somebody's got to eat. People are going to fall down if we don't. Uh, So he's off to London Drugs. I called him and, you know, we were going to do the top five chargers of all time. Right. Would have had no appeal. Nobody would have cared except for me and three other listeners. You would have said Kellen Winslow four, and I would have gone nuts. Well, he might not have even cracked my top five. Oh, we'd have an argument. Fist fight. Oh, it would get heated. But then I called him, and he said, top five summers. That's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, like, what? Like, the year of the, like, in your personal opinion? This is why we can't have him on the show anymore. Well, then I realized it was centers, and he was talking NBA. Apparently, that came from... A text on the show. Okay, well, actually, that this is NBA Center, so I don't have to argue for Kelsey. It's it's NBA. Yes, NBA. Okay. <laughs> or Steve Eiserman, whoever sure. your center <laughs> might be. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how he does this, but we'll start off with number five. Declan, in his declinations, has Hakeem Olajuwon. Yes. First overall pick in 1984, played for the Raptors, so I'm a fan. Two-time champion, two-time MVP in the finals, one-time regular season MVP and a 12-time NBA All-Star. Wonderful player. Remember him well. Very good player. Hakeem the Dream. No. Number two. Wait, no. Number four. (laughs) (laughs) You're already sounding more and more like Declan as time goes on. (laughs) Bill Russell, a man with a lot of championships, 11 to be in fact. He's the five-time NBA Most Valuable Player, 12-time All-Star. All this guy did was win. 6'10", 215, dominated. That's like a uh, shooting guard in the NBA today, but back then he was a beast. He was, and he he was like, he was not like pure offense, but he was, he suppressed so much offense on the other team. Wonderful player. Number three, Shaquille O'Neal. Big Diesel, the big Aristotle, Superman, big Shaq. One of my favorite players to watch of all time. He, uh, when I went, I moved in the 80s, we moved into West Edmonton Village. Yes. And I didn't realize that they had ESPN until I got there. I was thrilled. Oh. But they used to run basketball every night. And Shaq played for LSU. And I would time my days around, no, I can't go do this because LSU is playing. He was such a wonderful college player. And, of course, he, he did pretty well in pro, too. Big fan. Will say I love Steve Nash when he got his back-to-back MVPs, but I think Shaquille O'Neal was robbed one of those years. I think we just got too used to him. Yeah. We, we didn't appreciate the greatness. I agree with that. Yeah. Number two, Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. 100 points one game? Yeah, Philadelphia. I, we don't have footage of it, but it happened. Yeah. There were witnesses. Uh, obviously, he was a territorial pick. 
by the Philadelphia Warriors. Played yep. for the Harlem Globetrotters, two-time NBA champion, MVP once, four-time MVP in the league, and a 13-time All-Star. And he also had these great commercials where he'd get out of a small car, and <laughs> the visual of Wilt getting out of, like, a, I think it was a Volkswagen, was just outstanding. Very popular with the ladies as well. Well, apparently, based I, on numbers. <laughs> I'm led to believe. And number one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Obviously featured in an episode of FX hit show Dave, but also a six-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, and a six-time league MVP, 19-time All-Star. He was also an airplane. He was also an airplane, yeah. You tried, what was it, you tried Dragon Walton and somebody else up and down the court all night. (laughs) Loved that show. It was a great movie. Yeah, he is a a heck of a player when I look at all the all-time greats. So yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon, Bill Russell, Shaq, Wilt Chamberlain, and number one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So who would be, you're a Raptors fan? Also, Ear Candy, center. So he said MJ better be number one. MJ was not a center. No. Uh, I am a Raptors fan, yes. Okay, so who would be, who's your favorite all-time Raptor? Vince Carter. Wow, you go yeah. way back. That's when he won the dunk contest. It was like my 10th birthday or something. Oh. That, that, that really hooked me into the NBA. You got to love Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. What about this new kid? Do you like him? RJ Barrett or? No, the other guy. Scotty Barnes? Yeah. I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm confident in him yet. I want to see what he can do. It'll be interesting. He's only been in the league like four years. Yeah, you know, I mean, no. we're still waiting to see. Rookie of the year, the potential's there, but oh. I want to see how this draft goes for the Raptors. There's a, they got a, a lot bunch of potential. Now, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I know in the NBA it doesn't always pan out, but... Declan says it's not a great year for the draft. Well, that's not great. What does he know? He's not even here. It's like when you have the first overall pick and you get Andrea Bargnani. So I want to go back to Declan, if I may, for a minute. Sure. He's smart? Like he does stuff? <laughs> yeah. Stop well, laughing over that. He retains information. <laughs> he might be listening. I mean, he's he's ripping around St. Albert right now, so he might be listening. But I would say, yeah, high IQ. Well, I, I I know he really is good on the show, but I didn't realize he was also good in the background. Yeah, yeah. He keeps us on track. Sometimes I goof up, and uh, he, he's right there to let me know. Okay, scale of 1 to 10, 1, it'll never happen. 10, you better start being nicer to him. What are the chances he ends up being my boss here? five to six. Wow, that's still a little tie. Yeah. You know, I usually make a value judgment on a human right away and then I pummel them verbally and maybe I should stop doing that. I think so. You never know. That's Uh, what I thought like the rule of radio. You never know who your boss will be one day. Do you remember the first day you and I worked together? No. Me either. (laughs) But I asked him uh, what, and I guess Declan was new, like he's been new enough that he remembered. He said that I was very hard on him. I don't recall that. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't recall being hard on any of you guys. You know what? I think when you came back and worked with me on Oilers Nation Radio, yes, you were still a little raw too because it, it had been a while oh, since yeah. you had, and you'd never done sports, had no, you? No, I'd done top 40. I, I stopped doing radio on air uh, the way I knew it, like in the about 93. So I'd been away for 15 years. So I think there was some yeah. trepidation with both of us. I was told I'm working with a, a legend and you probably were like, I just got to make sure we get through it you knew what you were doing that's what i all i cared about i remember ross mcleod saying to me after the first show i said ross can i talk to you about the show he goes you were great i'm like did (laughs) did you listen and he's like yeah but i'm like i know a liar when i hear one because if you'd listened you would have wanted to talk to me too he would have dropped a couple innuendos on you and move on (laughs) i always loved my chats with him uh so 
Now, you are obviously, your show is done. The one that you host is, or co-host is done for the day. Yeah. You're obviously working with Gregor. Uh, the, the show's booked. Do we have the list? We do, yeah. We have a Steve McFarlane joining us to talk a little Calgary Flames. Count Tate will be by for the two-minute warning. We've got Ryan Holt, a guy you're very familiar with, yes. the voice of the Condors. Get a little update on the goaltending as well as Dylan Holloway, Lorianne Munzer, Olympic gold medalist at three. Jason Mawad will join us, a golf pro. Also, Wanya Gretz in for his co-hosting. Then we've got Craig Button, Sportsnet Spec, and at Low Tide. Yes. And what time am I on? Twenty. Ish five twenty ish. Do you want to oh, do an over under on what time I actually get on there? Five twenty seven. Five twenty seven. Yeah. All right, you kids out there. Sorry. Do people bet on that? I'm not sure if they do. <laughs> we'll talk to Play Alberta. <laughs> see if we can work that in. Oh dear. All right, Hallie. Thanks for jumping in. I appreciate it. Oh, I just read Declan's words. Thank Declan. Yeah. Well. I don't know. You know, I honestly, I, I think Kareem is the best all-time center. I mean, he was so good for so long, and he played on such legendary teams. But Wilt, and then somebody who saw Wilt would definitely argue Bill Russell because Bill Russell was so good at defending him. And, I mean, I don't know. Paul Sir would probably have a better list than, than Declan. No disrespect to Declan. None. But Sir is taller. I think all NBA questions should be addressed to the tallest person in the room. That's just my opinion. So the show's done. We're all done. What's your what's your take on your first edition of the lowdown? How do you feel? You feel like you you came out unscathed? I uh, I feel like there was a, there's a couple minor little hiccups that uh, maybe uh, probably something I'd like I need to work on. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, no, there were more on on my end. You were you were perfect, Al. You were oh, per- absolutely correct. perfect. Just yeah. sensational over there. I didn't hear any of your mistakes, so they must not have been very. Did you get a lot of people waving at you? I did just have a, a, a Texans guy wave at me and point okay. at his hat, and I, I don't know if he was mad that I didn't pick them to, I to win you their game. I pummeled but, them verbally uh, during yeah, your takes. Yeah, abs- absolutely pummeled them. Yeah. How but, many followers uh, yeah. did you end up with today? I mean, um, we were in early 20s, I think, when we started. Let me tell you, I believe I ended up with 55, but okay. that's not uh, official confirmation okay. here. That's just uh, the report uh, just, <laughs> just coming in. Breaking news, uh, I have 55 followers on okay. Twitter now. Okay, so g- we need to get him to 100, or I failed miserably. What's your address again? At Donovan Paulson. Okay. D-O-N-O-V-A-N-P-A-U-L-S-O-N. You have a very cool first name. Who named you? Uh, my mom did, mm-hmm. and um, I am named after uh, Canadian uh, Olympian, uh, Donovan Bailey. Wow, very cool. Do you run well? <laughs> uh, not so much anymore. Right. Um, I did have, I think, my, what was it, last year of uh, junior high or whatever, I was uh, I finished like fifth in 200 in, okay. in my school. So Was that your best sport? Uh, no. Uh, my best sport is still golf. Really? I, uh, yeah, no, I uh, I uh, I play golf a lot, um, just out with uh, the friends, out with the buddies, and uh, so. Do you have a handicap, or do you shoot? You um, know? I'm kind of a very inconsistent golfer, but um, at my best, I have shot 79, and right now, um, S- 79 on 18 holes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so I am. Um, I'll just say a, maybe a slightly above average golfer, but uh, you shot seventy nine <laughs> at Terra Pines. You're the best golfer I've ever known. <laughs> it was not Terra Pines. It okay. was. Uh, it was in BC. I don't remember the the name of the course, but uh, but it wasn't a par three. It was uh, not a par three. No. Okay. All right. Well, you're a good golfer. 
and I resent you terribly for being a good golfer, but I enjoyed working with you today. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Jason Greger on the way. Lowdown with Low Tide. Thanks for tuning in.